Hi and welcome to the Andy Gorman Golf One Putt Podcast and we're here with our round three of, uh, sorry, round two, hole three in effect, um, but a master special. Um, starting with just the most incredible weekend's golf at Augusta without patrons. Um, Gareth, you're here. You're not just in the wings, mate. You're visible on the screen for those of you watching us on uh, YouTube. Um, what was your thoughts, Gareth? I enjoyed it. I think I got the, the Masters hype, the Masters bug the first two days. And then just because I think, if anything, how clinical DJ was over the last couple of days, my, my kind of attention wavered a little bit. I don't know if it was because he was on earlier, maybe, kind of eats into to kind of family time and in the middle of the day, really, because it was kicked off from that kind of 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. UK time and finished around about 8 o'clock in the evening, whereas usually you're gearing up for it into the wee small hours, aren't you, to be honest? So, yeah, that was yeah. different. But I'm glad they got a tournament out. That was that was the main thing. Yeah, I think what it's done is it's produced a closure for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of where we are. You know, personally, I certainly think, I think, you know, this weekend was kind of pivotal to get the 2020 season out of the way. Yeah. Albeit, you know, I mean, like with the biggest event, arguably, of the start of the year, being played right at the very end of the year, um, it did it, it did struggle to uh, ignite the excitement button. But, uh, you know, it's the Masters and, you know, DJ was clinical, like you say, and and extremely impressive. I mean, you know, um, and hats off to him. Um, it, you know, obviously it was the DeChambeau sort of party that that sort of flopped. You know, in the first couple of days, and you know, I'm glad that he made the cut and at least got to the weekend and um, and whatever he's citing as to reasons why. You know, there's plenty of things to discuss uh, as we will. Um, but a huge congratulations to to uh, DJ. I mean, he played some incredible golf, as did Sungjae Him. I mean, what an incredible golfer he is! Mm. Um, unflappable. It's kind of what you'd expect, I suppose. But it, you know, without that being totally stereotypical, but you know, what an impressive ball striker! And it looks like he's going to fall over each time he swings the golf club and with a big yeah. club. And, and then somebody I know, I know you've got an association with Andy as well, with Cam Smith in terms of the back to basics. Um, pro yeah, I, mean, I, I was coming to that, you know, I mean, Cam's mm. golf, impressive. And look at that, four rounds of golf in the 60s, the first time ever in all the history of 84 Masters Championships. And of course, it, and he doesn't win. And, mm. uh, you know, it's just like, what? You know, but it also shows you just how impressive um, DJ's rounds were, you know, three very, very impressive rounds in the 60s and, and deep, you know, on two, two of them. Um, but what a great final round, you know, to, to pull that out of the bag and, you know, to be one over par after five holes as well for that round. And, you know, just, uh, it's like, it's, it's like, right, come on then, toy in with me. It's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, play. Um, how close can you get? Boom, I'm off. <laughs> it's yeah. like you have an year all ready to go. It was like a little bit like watching Lewis Hamilton. Exactly. Um, again, you know, I mean, awesome. Congratulations. You know, I love my F1, but, you know, seven times world champion, the most accomplished driver in Formula One history. It's just, um, 
just incredible um, to watch. You know, I don't know if you watched that, but um, yeah, talk about skating on thin ice and the state of the tires at the end of the uh, at the end of that sort of very wet race. But um, yeah, you know, it's um, yeah, it was a great weekend for sport. You know, albeit it was only gold from Formula One. I don't think I could have fit any more in, to be honest with you. <laughs> What were your thoughts on, on DJ's putting stroke, Andy? Something I noticed, especially on the, the close-up angles with the, the, the deliberate hovering of the putter before mm. he took the stroke. What's, what's the method behind that? And give us a little bit of an insight on, on why you would do that and, to be honest, why you wouldn't do that as well. Um, oh, it's a really good question at the, that trail. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you do it? And Nicholas did it, of course. Um, Ricky Fowler does, and you know you wouldn't, you, you know, you wouldn't present a very strong argument if you said they weren't good putters. Um, it, it, you know, I think one of the things that it, you know gets it, it clearly gets um, DJ into a, a a place where he can get the putter away smoothly. I think that's the key. And any time you would hover the club, you you know, and it's right at the very end that he sort of lifts it and you know goes into his stroke. Um, it, it, look, it works. It, you know, is and and arguably part of his game that I would have said had all the hallmarks of this guy can't win majors because his putting is not strong enough, or he's not going to win the plethora that his long game and, and certainly now wedge play deserves. Shows you that how much work they've done, they've put into it. Um, whether it's just Claude and Butch that have done that, which tends to be the case. Um, you know, certainly from a from a swing point of view and from a, a short game point of view, you know, those guys have done an absolute you know, dream of a job with him, um, you know, in just over a decade. And, you know, and I like the fact that, you know, that he's just plugged away and obviously he's made his transition to, to Claude as, as Butch appears to be backing off. Um, you know, his coaching roles and, you know, probably heading towards a long overdue retirement. It's kind of difficult when you enjoy it so much to retire or even suggest that you are retiring. But, um, yeah, I think, the, you know, it allows him to get into a smooth transition. That's really the key. So you get the putter off the ground, then for me, you can actually activate your bigger muscles to make the movements. I do think he gets a little tilted. Um, with the face potentially a little close to the plane, um, you know, but he does the same on the way through. So the, the, the nice thing is, you know, he starts the ball online very, very well and his distance control is, is impeccable. I mean, you know, apart from the putt on four mm -hmm. yesterday, which was off the fringe, which the fringe caught him out, killed it, you know, finished about eight foot short, didn't he? Eight to 10 mm -hmm. foot short. and. You know, then he dials in a phenomenal wedge shot to about eight foot at five, which gave him a really good look at par. Um, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong. And of course, the bounce back. I mean, it's quite, you know, it's easy for me to say because, you know, nobody listening it was in my living room, apart from Becky. But, you know, I said, if he holds this pot on six, then nobody's going to catch him. And, you know, and interestingly, you know, the conversation at the end, you know, when Nick Doherty asked, uh, uh, Butch, what do you think the pivotal point of the round was? And he said, birdie at six. And <laughs> I kind of said exactly the same words at exactly the same time. And Becky just looked at me and said, I'm like, is this on catch-up? <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, because, you know, Birdie at six was pivotal, having gone bogey-bogey, that he not just arrested the bogey-bogey train, but actually get some of it back and get his round back into, you know, the right numbers again. And, and um, yeah, very, very much, you know, his putting stroke was was probably the key to, you know, or certainly his putting was key to winning, but you can't say just the key to winning is putting because the short game was just absolutely incredible. The up and down at 11, um, the birdies at 13 and 15, another wedge shot that he hits into 14, you know, then a long range putt at 16. Mm. What, you know, is there anything else to say? But he's hitting the fairways. You know, first few holes he missed the fairways, didn't he? Yeah. So as soon as he got the ball in play, um, you know, from eight, I don't think he missed another fairway, if I can recall. And, you know, that then means that the approach shot, if there was anything easy about Augusta, is that you can approach the greens from the fairway rather than from the second cut, because we don't play from rough in <laughs> Augusta. Um, it, you know, to be able to play that those last eight, sort of 11 holes from the, sh from the short, grass was um was key right and, and that's that's it you know if the ball's not in hand it should be on the shortcut and you know and that's what he you know what he did and did extremely well all week i mean what was it, the third round he hit every fairway yeah um you know which meant that he was able to put the pedal down you know and attack the flags yeah the greens were softer of course they were you know pity really that you know with all of the rain they had on Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. We got a tournament in completed on time. Yeah. It was pretty spectacular given the you know the shortness of daylight and mm -hmm. albeit had to cram the first two rounds into the first two days and a bit of Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. You know it was um it, you know it, it was just incredible to think that they were playing on a course that actually looked more than just presentable, you know. Not Augusta that we used to see in, you know, the collar with the floor and fauna and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, a, a phenomenal golf course. You could see the greens were spiking up a little bit. But yeah, course, at the end, yeah. You know, the, the rules changed a couple of years ago to allow us to be able to tap that down. So, in effect, it's not going to make that much difference. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Justin's game, just from... Justin, sorry, I mean, just his, his game from tee to green was just impeccable. Did he have four bogeys for the week or something? Yeah, amazing. Uh, five, maybe, I think it was. But, um, yeah, just, yeah. Where, where, where do you stop? Um, yeah, exactly. But one of the things I was really impressed with him, something I read that he kind of prides himself on a day-to-day -day basis, has an hour on Trapman with the randomization function for his wedges. So he is just dialing in the wedge game. And I know he's done that for a few years now. He got critiqued, I think it was a few seasons ago, for his, his wedge play. And yeah. uh, he's really dialed that in. And that, that's something, again, would you encourage a lot of amateur golfers or aspiring kind of professional golfers out there to do more of this kind of thing? Oh, crikey, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not just a case of standing on a range and doing it, you know, aiming at different pins. But, of course, if you haven't got you know, a, a ball flight analyzer of some description, whether it's, you know, foresight or, you know, uh, you know, sort of track man or flight scope or Mevo or whatever you might, you know, happen to have, you, you know, but they can throw a randomizer in there. Um, 
you know, then play to different flags with your different clubs. And, you know, I mean, I go up the range, you know, when I can, you know, I, I get 75 balls and I would say that probably 50 of them are partial shots. Mm. You know, I think probably because it takes me that long to loosen up, but, um, but now that 50 of them are random, you know, random partial shots, you know, I'm not hitting, you know, loosen up with a 54, or maybe a 50, just having some little pitch shots of half swings, dialing in what would be the half swing and then whatever the distance is is kind of irrelevant if you know what I mean mm -hmm. you know half a swing with a club is half a swing if it happens to be you know if I'm trying to hit half the number you know then I'm going to struggle rather than let the half swing dictate and the club dictate the number so you know if the club if I can tweak the, the club um, you know, to dial that number in. So, you know, as you know, my half swing with a 54 degree wedge invariably is a 50 yard shot. But then I'd also put it into a 48 to 52 yard shot mm. because, you know, on a given day, the speed may vary by one or two mile an hour and subsequently produce the slightly different, um, you know, variances in terms of um, ball speed, stroke, distance. So, you, you know, when you've got, if you're just dialing in the, the actual uh, pattern, movement pattern, so you get the half swing, you know, then when you're playing all the time like these guys are, ultimately you're able to do what you need to do and, mm. you, you know, optimize your numbers. And it's so much easier then. So, you know, when you can hit a shot to a certain distance, you get so much more comfortable playing that particular shot, you know. Yes. You know, a three-quarter shot, you know, is so much easier. I mean, you got Butch talked about it a lot, didn't he? You know, he, about the fact that he has three swings with four wedges. Yeah. And, you know, it gives him 12 shots. And that's 12 shots of variable flight, but also variable distance. You know, so he can control what he needs to do. If he wants it to release, he can hit a slightly flatter flight um, on it and, and get that ball to release and do what he needs to do from there. And, that, you know, those things are, are, are key to being able to score if you get out of position. It's not so much scoring if you're, you know, in position because these great players are scoring when they're in position. You can see that, you know, take Justin aside with a five-shot win. Um, you know, 15 under par is not, not to be sniffed at. 15 under par would have won uh, probably, I'm going to say, 75 of the Masters um, for sure. Um, you know, and it's certainly a huge, huge proportion of the 84 has been played. So, you know, there's some very good golf being played by a lot of good golfers. And I think that was the also testament. The course didn't get beaten. You know, I think the course only got, the course only became susceptible to the damp conditions, not to the fact that it isn't strong enough to be able to cope with you know, 350 yards drives, because even then, you know, uh, DJ had to hit Woods into eight, um, you know, to get the golf ball on the court, you know, on the green. So I think on the Saturday, he hit an iron, but be a long iron, but, you know, he hit a wood of some description, probably a five wood. I think he's got three head covers in there. So, you know, when you're looking at it, ultimately, I think, you know, we, you know, that, that's the, that's the big deal. You know, the course, held up nice and strong i don't think they need to do anything um you know to do it as well but um yeah they the, you know wedge shots ultimately will will save your score and you know if you think about those wedge shots that 
you know, he, he made his, well, he made his birdies on 15. That, that's made a big difference coming down 16, 17 and 18 yeah. to have, you know, that extra stride, you know, in your step really. So, something that I was kind of screaming at the TV at, and I know it's something that's a, that's a passion of both of us, was that the, the players just struggled to control the spin. They were hitting too many spinning shots. And I know it's something that you've talked about a lot with myself and with clients is that flighted shot, flighting the shot in there to give that spin control. Because people like Spieth, I saw Justin Thomas, um, Woods, there's lots of players who are struggling with that, the spin control because of the soft condition. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a strong argument for putting a slightly harder ball on in the bag. Um, as we've talked about in the past, that said, you know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult these days because sometimes the strong, the, the harder ball, which may go a little bit further, um, can also spin a little bit more, as we've seen, you know, with some of our ball testing in, mm-hmm. you know, in recent meet, weeks, months. Um, but yeah, the flighted shot, you know, players, you, you're not, you, you can't control spin in soft conditions. Mm you know it's always going to get you miss it a shot and it'll get you so um you can miss it a shot in a way that's going to you know get a lot of spin on it you know when you try not to and these players are more inclined to hit the spinny shot than not because of the way that they hit the golf ball but yeah when you know that the golf course is setting up for um you know soft conditions 13 plus stim greens. I think your biggest challenge has to be, you know, what are you going to do with the shots going in? I mean, the thing I loved about it is very rarely did you see just Dustin fire it over the back of the flag to back it up. He on 13, he hit it where he had to hit it in order to take the um, creek out of play. And that's the core strategy that folk don't talk about enough. The core strategy is the really important things. The bit where you get from obviously your knowledge, you you know, you play, um, you know, experience. But when you look at holes like seven, you know, do not go big at seven. But that also means, yeah, look, it's, how easy did Dustin make that bunker shot look? Which you know looked like he got to get it over a double decker bus mm-hmm. to get it out of the bunker, but. You know, he made it look really easy in comparison to um, Sanjay being in the back trap with a whole load of green to work with. The problem is that the green was sloping like that. And maybe Sanjay was trying to hit the ball into the back of the green in order to get um, that backspin action that, you know, would drag the ball back down towards the flag. Uh, you know, and that's fine because we saw too many balls coming off the back, off the front of the green. But again, you're still playing for, for the lottery ticket of play rather than for the strategy of play and you know i just think that you know it's a course that you can do it and i think in practice rounds it's a lot of fun you know to be able to pull those shots off but you get them wrong and you do look like a muppet and mm. you know and and more importantly you can get yourself into trouble you get yourself the wrong side of the hole you know and we all know how difficult it is i mean you know dj three putted uh, on 14 on um i think he's for second round and you know he's inches away from the ball finishing 
well, he's not even inches away. I mean, he's literally, you know, the ball one roll away from finishing, you know, five or six feet away. And he's now got to, you know, ride the precipice of, you know, going off the green, as we saw Louis Oosterhuizen do, you know, from being on the green um, to off the green again. And then, you know, or swinging around and finishing, you know, 10, 12, 15 feet past the hole. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, we know how brutal it can be, but it is a case of, you know, playing to control and, you know, Dustin had the control. I mean, you know, the shot into 14 yesterday afternoon, 13, 15, you know, holes that we know notoriously can spin the golf ball back towards trouble or away from the flag. You know, he's had it, you know, he had it on a rope because he had control over the spin. So um, I think on one shot, I think I saw him pull the ball back you know, a good distance, you know, just shows you how you can, you know, take control of the golf course, whether if you can control the flight of your wedge shots. Yeah. I was a real fan as well of, I know we know him over a year in Europe, but not so much in the States, but Dylan Fratelli, his, his short game, his, his chipping, his putting were, were class. I thought, I thought that he yeah, was yeah, really I think good. Yeah, I think a moment to relax on 16, because that short putt that he missed on 16 was like, Oh, what happened there? <laughs> Literally, right, I've given him that. Um, and it's like, oh, um, how did you miss that? <laughs> right. So, you know, if looks the 70th hole of a of a major championship, he's not going to win, but you know, he's you you would think he was trying on it, but a momentary lapse of concentration. But yeah, he was incredible. I mean, he's got a strange action in the way that he goes about things and I think that's also endearing swings down to have to be perfect as we know um looks like he's going to fall over doesn't he every time he hits the golf ball yeah there's a couple that (laughs) can do that um he does does look like very much like that um Scotty Sheffler had a weird one on 13 I don't know if you saw that one um yeah he nearly broke his ankle I think um on the way through the ball, but uh, managed to get it on the green. But yeah, you know, there's there's more than one way to get the job done, as we know. And I think ultimately, you know, he was able to get, you know, a lot out of his game and, you know, he gets the ball far enough out there. I think that's the other thing as well. You know, Abraham answer, you know, oh, he didn't have the last round that he wanted. He didn't shoot in the 80s. We've seen that done several times in the last group before now. Um, he shot what was he, 76 four over, not the round he was looking for, of course, but shows that you know a low flighting shot, which you know doesn't you know, numerous par fours was going in with a with a wood, um, mm. you know fairway metal or you know hybrid, shows you that he's not hitting the golf ball quite as far as these longer hitters, and yet he got a game to contend. Again, what's going to happen in April will be another issue altogether because it will firm up and the lower flighted shots it'll run a little bit more as well I know you know so we'll counter that but he's going to be putting in so he's going to need to put some flight on his golf ball in order to control the ball going into those greens as well as US Open greens so you know that just shows the limits that some players may have and these best opportunities were possibly this week where the greens the course was so soft as it was Um, but you know let that player you know, prove me wrong because, you know, many a times they have and, you know, you know, I'd be inclined to say, look, yeah, bring it on. Um, you know, it shows how good and how, in fact, how great these players are getting the best out of what they've got because we're not all blessed with 350-yard drives. 
you know, mm. and 330 yard carries over bunkers up a hill, you know, with a soft fade. I mean, you know, we're not all able to do that. But um, it kind of leads us on quite nicely to, you know, the Bryson DeChambeau show that didn't occur. Um, you know what it reminded me of? Like yeah. a, a real a movie trailer that you kind of watch and you think that film's going to be really good. And then when you actually <laughs> go and watch the film, it is terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. He really um, built himself up. Do you think that was his, his undoing? He really built himself up. The par 67 comment there. I'm just going to take a driver out there and hit a few wedges and the, the numbers that were on the practice round and Sandy Lyle going, I've never, I've never seen somebody go over the back of, I think the third, did he go over the back? Yeah, over the three would. So did he hype himself up too much and put so much pressure on himself? Um, yes and, and no. So my first bit of, you know, I'll answer the first bit. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, look, you can, he did it at the US Open and pulled it off. Mm. Um, told us what he was going to do and and did it. So, you know, why wouldn't he play the same strategy going into Augusta? Um, the problem we've got with, you know, look, if, if there is a place on earth as a golfer that has a spiritual context to it, then the history that sits around Augusta has it in bucketfuls and spades. I mean, it, and if there's anything going to spook you, it's what Augusta can do to you, especially around Amen Corner. And when you start on number 10, Amen Corner's right there in front of you, you know, and you, you don't get off to the best start. And all of a sudden it's like, uh, 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 oh, look, and fair play to the guy because he finished under par for the tournament and he finished under par, kind of like scrambled himself around to get under par, you know, sort of obviously made it in on the number, you know, which we didn't think would happen at some point. But, you know, he's got some tenacity to, to his game. And maybe the golf course was a par 68, 67, which is what he said you know, to him in principle, which ultimately would have given him a 20 under par um, title. Certainly the only one man played to par, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. um, and if it was, you know, 68, then 16 under, nobody else did it. So, you know, if that's why he truly felt, then, you know, I wouldn't deny him that. But, you know, that's because you would anticipate the par fives are more than reachable with a mid-iron for him. And we know that they are more than reachable for him for him at the mid-iron but it's still you've got 16 attempts to get the ball in play in the right place and probably the only one that you would stand on there and say he's got a fair given on that would probably be number two because it is pretty wide um 15 not the wide fairway that it used to be and you've got to create some bend on the flight of 13 to hit to create a bit of width uh, out of that and eight, you've got to clear the trap. Well, he's going to clear the trap. You know, we know that he's going to clear the trap, but you've still got to hit the fairway. And then you've got to hit the second shot, which is blind. So, you know, those par fives, you may well be going in with a relatively short club compared to somebody else, but they are still thinking man's par fives. They're not just out there bludgeon and, you know, get on with it. You know, you, you, you get it out there 350 and you, you, you're a lock on three or four. It's not the case at all, as, as he saw. You know, he's gone for a shot at 13 on the first round 
and the golfing gods have gone, have it. <laughs> you know, um, you ain't, look, you can say all you like, but, you know, yeah, you've gone in with a short, with a medium iron, but, you know, we've got your back on the, you know, the number seven on your scorecard says, get yeah, in those bushes. <laughs> didn't they? I mean, it was, you know, in fact, maybe even four fingers. But, yeah, I mean, that's, so, so I think there, there are places where you do have to keep quiet, you know, and I think Augusta's one of them. Mm. Um, you kind of, you know, Arnold Palmer's arguably the greatest golfer certainly around at the time was receiving congratulations going up the 18th hole, remember? And, you know, he never won a major championship again. He took a double bogey, you know, of all the people to take a double bogey on the 18th, he's hit the ball in the middle of the fairway off the tee shot, then he puts it in the bunker, sculls it out the bunker, chips on two putts, and he loses the tournament. You know, people are shaking his hand and congratulating him, you know, because, and, and he's literally, he's lost his concentration, but, you know, it just shows you that, you know, even the greatest of players can have a lapse in concentration. And, and I think Bryson does get that way. And and I hope that you know the dizzy spells, if he's you know that he was talking about. I hope they are nothing, you know, um, you know, sinister, and you know that he probably possibly wasn't feeling well, um, which is only testament to the fact that he scrambled himself around for the weekend anyway. I'm, look, I suffer from migraines. I know what dizzy spells on migraines you know are, and it does affect your ability to con- concentrate and and focus on the golf ball and you'll hit all sorts of bad shots if you can even get to a point of getting around the course if that's what he's suffering from then i really do you know I, my empathy goes out towards him um it was a tough week though once as well because he was on the wrong side of the draw really with woods it looked that like kind it. of that kind of yeah. weather delay then the early start and tiger was saying he was up at 315 for a 715 yeah. tee time and you're thinking this that must take its toll on you yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I play competitive golf at that time of day as well, and you know, you are up at those crazy times, and you know, especially when the body gets older, you know, Tiger's probably got to do an hour's worth of warming his body up, you know, massage and all the stuff that goes on with that. So ultimately, you know, that becomes quite, you know, a tall order. Tiger wasn't driving two hours to get to the golf course, you know, he'd have been around the corner, so. Um, you know, for him to get up at four, you know, four four hours before his tea time to, you know, to get his body into prep mode, you know, before loosening up in the dark and, you know, and all the stuff that goes with that, it's, it is extremely difficult. But, you know, I mean, I, it just shows you, I mean, Tiger played so well for day one, bogey free, 68, clinical as ever, swing looked incredible. It's immense. It's probably the best uh, I've seen um, it in a long time. You know, and then all the omens were stacking up for, you know, against him and Jack in 86. And, you know, I thought that was, you know, there was an element of a Cinderella story going on. But, you know, I thought that 27 holes or 28 holes that he had to play um, on the next day was going to have its toll. And, um, and of course, it did. so it was it Saturday? I think it was. He ended up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he was just he was just there, wasn't he? Just petered out a little bit into the Friday, into the Saturday, and with the, the kind of light fading and everything else, it was a yeah, it was a, it was a it was a struggle. But I think Bryson, I think Tiger, they will come back stronger for for April. I think especially Bryson, he will be very analytical of his game, and he will go away and 
look at areas that he needs to improve for Augusta. He had a handful of shots which were, to some degree, some folk were probably looking at them, oh, a little uncharacteristic. I don't think they're uncharacteristic. I think you know, when the grass is long, your, your options are, um, in effect, handed to you on a plate. You know what your options are. When yeah. the grass is short and then damp, your options spiral out of, you know, oh, you know it, it's not just the options of the shots, because that's one of the issues that we deal with, but it's the options of miss. Now what could happen becomes escalated. So in effect, when you get the long grass, you, you're not likely to hit it too hard. You're likely to flop it short and, you know, just flops in front of you. But when you get into the shorter grasses, then the option for flopping it short or to blade it across the green becomes a secondary option. And, and you know, I think Bryson's kind of one-dimensional approach caught him out, you know, and mm. I thought at the beginning of the week that um, the golf that I was looking at, thinking the greens, you know, I could tell that the green, I've played on overseas golf courses, so I know what, what where the transitions are. And when all the grass is in there, you know, it's lovely to play off. It, it's a little bit sticky, you know, but you know what you get. The ball sits up and, you know, it's easy to nip the ball off. The problem that you've got is when there's Bermuda in there and, you know, the ball can sit down just a little bit and then you're not sure whether you can use the bounce or the leading edge. Mm. Now, notice that Mickelson used the, the leading edge, played a lot of leading edge shots, you know, got in there, hit quite stabby shots into the back of the ball and, I don't think he was found wanting around the greens as you know as usual as per usual. But uh, your degree of precision has to be so so good, you know. And I don't think that Bryson is there yet with that. That's not to say that he won't be. I just think that you know, if there's an area of weakness that if that is an eight out of ten area of his game, or maybe a seven out of ten area of his game, Nicholas wasn't great with it either, by the way, um, by his own admission, but. Um, you know, he, he could get the ball up and down because he had, he could rely on his putting. And I think, you know, the other thing as well is he doesn't have the science book mm. on the greens that tells him exactly where that ball's going to manoeuvre and how it's going to do it and by what degree. And so his computing in his head turns into feel. And so it's interesting, you know, I watched a bit of the golf the early part of the week and those comments were, were being thrown around and, you know, by you know the, the Nick Doherty's and you know and the like and, and they were all citing it you know so can he will he he doesn't does he know the course enough he, you know and that's one of the interesting scenarios it's possibly he doesn't um maybe secretly he'll fly a drone in and get those numbers so he's got them for <laughs> for April you know um what are your I'll thoughts like, on the green book what are your thoughts on the green book should they be allowed or should we, shouldn't, shouldn't we have them? Oh, well, my thoughts on the green book's an easy answer. I think it's the best tool on the planet if you know how to use it. Mm. Should it be allowed, we allow yardage books. Is it, slowing, is it slowing the game, though? Is it slowing Sorry? the game? Is it slowing no, the game? It's not, no, it's not slowing the game. Not at all. I think it's a ridiculous argument when somebody says, oh, they slow the game down. Missing a putt slows the game down. So if you, if you hold more putts, you are going to save more time on the greens and it takes you to read the greens off from a green book. 
you've done a lot of that calculation already before you get in there. I did, look, you know, DJ's taking a lot of time on the greens. And I think if anybody wanted to have a little word in his, you know, shell-like, then, you know, it's like you need to speed up on the greens a bit. He's very clinical and he doesn't miss many putts. So ultimately you could say, well, actually, you know, he's not taking as much time on the greens as some other players are collectively. I think that's where the argument, you know, sort of butts heads. He's not taking as much time on the greens because he's holding so many putts. It's, it's when you don't hold the putts and you're doing that all the time that becomes an issue. You know, and you stand over an 18-inch putt and you go through your aim point read, it's like, hello, <laughs> we're serious. Um, I know there's an element of habit, you know, and we see Austin doing the reads, you know, from, from aim point and, and the like. But there comes a point in time where you have to draw the line a little bit and say, look, you know, we don't actually need to read this. You know, just get in there and knock it in. Well, there's so much at stake. You know, we know what winning a major is all about, you know, to folk. And, you know, your careers are won and, you know, won and lost. And, you know, tournaments are won and lost on a putt. And careers, you know, won and lost on a tournament. So, you know, we're a championship. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it, I, I like the, I like the Green Book. I think the Green Book's a phenomenal tool. Um, there's no bias towards it. You know, I know the guys who've developed the system to, to measure the green specifically. I think if you're allowing yardage books from T to green um, with the level of detail that they've got, then, you know, either you take it all out. Uh, I'd love to see a tournament where you've got none mm -hmm. Because i tell you what would happen, what would be really interesting, because I've played on golf courses with, without my yard, without my laser. And I see no reason why a laser couldn't be used. You know, if you want to speed up play, then I'll just allow a laser. You know, you either got a book or a laser, and bang, zap, done, finished, and away you go. You know, you know the number, you know, and, and even allow the, I mean, slope element on it, you know. Just play a tournament and let the guys play with them because I'll tell you what they're you know they are allowed on the lesser tours and you know I'm not so sure that they're contributing the lasers are contributing towards lower scores um there's just a depth of talent that's producing lower scores and of course the courses are in great condition so you know we're playing on good greens on more regular golf courses these days and so you know that contributes towards the ability to shoot lower scores but I would love to see, you know, the opportunities like, yep, everybody, let, let everybody use the laser. That will speed up play because um, you've got a number straight away. And then the green books, you know, again, the same thing. If you took the, the green book and the um, yardage book away and just let everybody use the laser, you would level the playing field straight away. Yeah. And that would, you know, if, if there's any competitive advantage to the ability to be able to read a green book and you do need to have a science degree to read a green book in you know looks very complex well they, complex. yeah but there's four or five different options now you know so there's colors there's um arrows there's numbers there's pointers there's you know sort of contouring you know so there's lots of different ways that work with each player so you know the those contouring maps are you know a detailed and complex but you would find i mean i can't remember which way around padre has it now but he you know he's got a color and a number i think if i remember rightly um or you know color and an arrow but you know so he knows by color the severity and you know 
but you've, you've got some guys that have got numbers and arrows and colors and arrows and colors and numbers and arrows. And, you know, that's when it looks complex. It looks complex to the guy who goes like, what on earth am I looking at here? And if you point it out, you go, oh, you walk onto the green with that and you go like, oh, here I am now. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Mm. That's literally how clear it is. Now, if you're not a visually minded individual, that's not going to work for you. No. It's not going to work. So, you know, I like to see it. So for stuff like that, it's, you know, it becomes quite straightforward. Um, you know, and, and it, you know, I kind of know if somebody's telling me what the numbers are, then, you know, I understand aim point enough to be able to, you know, sort of calibrate my reading to be able to say, right, well, that's two percent. So, yeah, right, I've got my read bang like six inches off the left and away I go. You know, it's superb. Mm. Um, so, and that speeds everything up. To that point because i'm not calculating the, the calibration i'm not working out how much slope there is i'm just going straight in there pick the biggest number out and away i go you know in in printable how much easier has that just become yeah <laughs> so that's going to speed everything up but i think you know i would love to see a tournament with no yardage books mm. and no lasers and just see how i mean you would talk about you'd have a six hour round yeah because <laughs> the indecision would be like uh let me think about you know how how difficult 12 at augusta we know how difficult 12 at, I mean, we don't because we're not played it we've not we've not been there but you know we know notoriously from the tv and you know, the players have I mean, tiger i mean you know i mean i called the water shot you know from the team you know how many times did he back off it i just can't understand he doesn't hit it in the back left corner he's tiger woods mm. you know that's the bit for me it's like oh my word you know Tiger's going to hit it in the water. How do you know he's going to hit it in the water? <laughs> because of the indecision. Mm. You know, but he's Tiger Woods. I know. That's why I can't get this. You know, put it in the back left corner. You know, and where's she going to make his four? And it, you know, I can't believe he's going for the flag. Oh, he's missed it because he's not going for the flag. I mean, that's the thing you say. He's Tiger Woods. He's not going for the flag. Whatever's happened to the golf ball? He hasn't got enough club either. So, but if he's if he's aiming at the middle of the green, he's put it in the bunker. That's the that's the bailout shot. That bunker, that front bunker or the back bunker is the bailout shot, and that's the bit that I don't get. Then, you know, it's like right, okay. Um, it's not it's not what I expected to see Tiger do. No, um, his recovery yeah, wasn't bad though. <laughs> it's just like makes you makes us all feel great, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but there's not many of them have five birds in the next six holes classy mm. yeah exactly duff cap absolute class and you know grit and brawn to vote you know what i'm gonna finish i'm gonna i'm sure he's well i'm gonna get back to level par it, mm. you know um to finish under par you know that's just very very classy so you know he could have capitulated that you know he could have walked off mm. nobody would have you know, I've won my jackets, it doesn't matter at this point in time, but his pride was strong. And that's the bit, I think, that, that bodes him well for, for April, I think, mm. that um, his, record, his, his lasting memory won't be the 10 because he's got something that supersedes it. It's five birds in the last six following the 10. Yeah. And he'll just go back, back, you know, back into that back left corner, middle of the green shot again, and just go like, you know what, I, I'm not going to be drawn into that again for the rest of my career. I can't remember Nicholas ever putting the ball in the water. No. Not that I've watched all of Nicholas's golf. No. I mean, he may well have done, but 
you know, has anybody got any recollections of that that can actually point us in the direction? Oh, Nicholas put it in the water at some point, you know, because um, no, I have no recollection that Nicholas ever put it in the water. I've seen Watson do it. Obviously, Weisskopf did. Um, you know, couples tried, and we've seen him do it as well. But you know, ultimately, you know, some of the, you know these great players have all popped it in the water at some point. So maybe Nicholas did, but no, I don't. Um, that that was a bit of a shocker. That was, but you know, very good, impressive. Good fun. Just a quick one before we wrap up. Um, we've got our Duca del Cosmo competition finished to last night. Um, so will we be picking that winner today, selecting that, that lucky person? Thank you for everybody who's interacted yeah. with that post. And we've had lots of, of interaction and lots of really good feedback from that. So we'll, Andy will be picking that winner later on and we'll we put will. an announcement on our, our social channels. We will. And actually, if um, well, we may well go live at uh, Insta Live on that one. because we That'd off. be cool. Yeah, we can announce it on Insta so, uh, later on. That'd be cool. So, uh, you know, if you if you listening you get a chance to listen to this we'll pre- preempt it but um yeah but, um but yeah massive massive response to that um you know which was which was superb we will have some more prize draws coming forward we're going to do a christmas um prize draw uh, as well and we've got some cracking products lined up um for you and some experiences as well which will be available for you um to cash in on so uh watch out for all of those um, announcements which will come with regards to when they start and you know the rules and maybe even we will get them done uh, we'll extend it across the pond as well um, allow that to be an element of global so uh, we can certainly do something that will be a global experience opportunity for our international followers which is really appreciative um, Gareth before we slip away um, what's your thoughts on Rory McIlroy's performance this weekend from a psychological uh, point of view psychological lots of things going on lots of change for Rory over the last six months with the arrival of his little one um, and I think Rory is uh, I think somebody some suggested just going and taking himself away looking at his game maybe looking at his approach and almost taking the approach that Tiger did a few years ago of really trying to taper and peak for the major tournament. I think since lockdown, he's thrown himself into lots of tournaments and that comes with travel. And if you're not playing your best either, like a little bit like Spieth's doing at the moment, it can become a grind, it can become a bit of a chore. I think he's got to go away and, and again, prepare a little bit better. That's what I'd suggest as part of his team. Let's look at the schedule. Let's plan a little bit better for next season because there were signs of it there. He could have won it. He could have won mm. it. If he would have had a better, I'd say, his first round in particular, he's struggling at the moment with his first round strategy. Yeah, so it's 28 over par for his majors played first round. Yeah. But then he's something like ridiculous, like 56 under for the, the remainder of the week. Something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, and obviously there's three rounds of golf in there, but you know, I mean, that just shows you though that the first round is definitely he's putting himself under the most intense pressure in the first round. And you kind of just go let it happen, let it go. You know, don't you know, level par is not a bad round of golf. You don't play your way out of it, but you know, go and do whatever you're doing. And you know, I mean, what I will say is, Mike, you know, a little bit like Tiger's sort of ten and then five five birds in the next six. Um, 
it is, it, you know, the, the impressive nature that, you know, in five swings, he found his swing, you know, uh, in between his first and second round, having shot 75 and then, you know, he then goes to shoot 66, which is just incredible. I mean, he's on the verge of missing the cut and now he's back in contention, you know, albeit, uh, you know, six shots back. Um, you know, and then what was he, 67, 68 or something like that? You know, so really, really good rounds of golf again. Um, but as he shot 68, he, he's pushing DJ in the first round. He's pushing DJ all the way to the last hole, last putt. And you've got to think that that's a golf course that Roy McIlroy should be looking at, you know, in the softer conditions, you know, that 68, I'm not talk, talking about mere mortals here. You know, we're talking about, major championship winners for some reason he's going into 2021 it'll be his seventh year without a major that's quite a dry spell mm. um you know was he carrying too much pressure did he create the pressure himself um you know what is it that's stopping him from being the the great player is it technical it's certainly not from tee to green you know, so, you know, of course, I would have my opinions on and around the greens, but, you know, and I see stuff and, you know, I, I don't understand the comments. I thought he played really well. He probably put it better than he does normally, mm. but he missed a bucket full of putts again, which made a whole load of difference. You know, putts that, you know, three putting from six feet, was it on 13 on Saturday? It was just like, <laughs> right, okay, not the first putt. It was a dreadful first putt. And then, you know, to even give himself the opportunity of missing, you know, the second putt. Um, but just, you know, I mean, it was, a, it was a dreadful, pitiful putt that, you know, gave himself a, a missable return. I mean, it was, he, he missed it like a dribble and yet he'd run it four foot by and, and of course missed the return. So, you know, see traits of what he does, you know, when he does miss them. You know, and you just look at that and go like, cool, dear me. You know, it's got, it, you know, it goes back to his old sort of stroke tendencies and you know his whole putts he gets on a streak and he you know clearly you know he's hold some decent putts as well but you know I still find still feel that that's a weakness in his game that he could really address um you, you and know. you know where to find us rory that's the key Golfatandygorman.com. <laughs> yeah, reach yeah, out yeah. you and jimmy are friends i think on facebook andy aren't you his caddy so he knows where you are Yes, he is. Yeah, interestingly. Um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, I could love to help anybody with, with my best bit of knowledge. If you want to improve your golf and you can, you know, that's the thing, you can. Um, and it's not an insurmountable task. It's not impossible. For anybody can learn how to putt better than what some of the tour players are doing. And look, Augusta is different. Augusta's a completely different place altogether. You increase the slope and you increase the speed. Augusta's defense is on the greens, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to say that I know everything about every blade of grass at Augusta because I don't, but it ultimately, you know, starting the ball on the line at the right speed is, you know, is what putting's all about. And when a player struggles to start the ball online, even the line that they're aiming on, you know, then there's there's a there has to be a question mark over the methodology, um, you know, and the principle of what you do to make it happen. But um, yeah. yeah.
but again you know what an incredible masters we've just it is a master's edition it is a major we will do these around the majors i don't think the other tournaments warrant as much time as a major and you know i thought some of the spectacular views yes we missed the patrons and yes we missed some of the uh, regular um coverage that we would normally have but the, some of the views from the drones that the footage uh, from those drones was just incredible so i know that you've been training on your drone and no pressure uh, <laughs> uh, that we'll be uh, expecting some uh, some incredible footage from some of the things that we'll be doing in the new year mate with your drone but uh, yeah I, yeah i think it's um, it, you know it's great to see and i think you know with all due respect uh, with everything that's going on at the moment um whatever your opinions are of it we got to see a 2020 masters and we got the opportunity to see augusta as good as it can be um you know in in you know very trying circumstances so you know i think they did a fantastic job and you know we we had a spectacle you know and and dj has a green jacket so um you know so fair play to him and um i do Wishing all the best going forward. He'll uh, he'll be a worthy champion, and I hope he gets a chance to uh, to wear the jacket for a little bit more than five months. But um, <laughs> he's uh, he doesn't look so good in green as he does in navy. But uh, <laughs> he's not going to say that right now. I've not got a green jacket either. So uh, I know your little man's got a green jacket, but that's, um, <laughs> there's not very many of those around. But uh, um, it's been great. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, Thanks, I hope everybody. It. You know where you can find us. A special thanks to Duca Del Cosmo for um, sponsoring last week's podcast and also for the prize that they've awarded. Uh, we will announce uh, in due course who has won, and um, you know you can look forward to getting your prize. Um, so you can get in touch with us as soon as you do. And uh, Gareth, thank you very much. You know where to find us. It's Andy Gorman Golf on YouTube and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Clubface Golf, LinkedIn, and anywhere else that you think you can find me. I think I can hide from you. Can hide from <laughs> um, um, <laughs> if you mention putting, you're going to find Andy Gorman Golf. So, uh, yeah, and uh, I say thanks for your support. If there's anything you'd like us to chat about next week, feel free, because, hey, I'm going to put my feet up from watching golf tournaments. We're going to get back to, to fixing golf swings, putting, and short game. I'll catch up with you soon. Bye for now.